Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Pleasure Path. And today we're talking about catnip. So if you haven't heard me use this phrase before, catnip is the thing that we just can't get enough of. It's what we feel intrinsically, primally drawn to, and that never really works for us in our love life. So our catnip is our pattern of wanting something that's not good for us. It's our pattern of being attracted to someone who either isn't available or isn't the right fit for us. Or the perfect example of this is someone who has more of a narcissistic tendency and someone who has more of an empathic tendency that will be um, really drawn to each other, but almost always, you know, burns out or, or doesn't work. I know my catnip used to be the moody, aloof guy who is kind of too cool for me, didn't really give me any attention, was clearly avoidant, and also made himself feel like he was a little bit superior to me or Maybe I was the one who was putting myself down around this person and feeling like, oh, if they would only just shine their light on me, then I would be saved. (laughs) And all the times that I tried to date someone in this way who was avoidant, aloof, creative, moody, um, withdrawn, a little bit condescending, I got ripped to pieces. (laughs) Like it never worked. So I had to learn to heal that pattern because I can't tell you how many times I would be getting to know someone. And sometimes after a few dates, sometimes after a few months, I'd have that sinking feeling in my stomach, like, oh crap, it's the exact same pattern. Like what the hell? This person looks different. They talk different. They're from a different place. They have different background. You know, they, there was all these ways in my mind that I thought they were different, but fundamentally their relational patterns we're the same. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to change our catnip, but it is essential. (laughs) So I want you to think right now, like, what's my catnip? What's the type of person that I'm just mm, instantly drawn to and can't get enough of? Hmm. Now, I encourage you to think about not just physical factors, although that might play into it, but, you know, is this person more anxious or more avoidant? more introverted or extroverted? Do they rush in and then pull back? Do they start off cold and then come in hot? Is the focus more on physical intimacy or emotional intimacy? Maybe they're a nice guy and I end up getting bored and hurting their feelings. Maybe they're dangerous and I like that because it feels exciting. (laughs) As you think about your catnip and all the ways that it might manifest emotionally or physically, I really invite you to be compassionate with yourself. It's not easy. It's not easy to look at ourselves and be like, crap, I've been repeating this pattern. Shit. <laughs> like, I thought I'd, I thought it was further along than this. I thought I had done all of this work. Like, be so compassionate with yourself because this is something you most likely inherited. And what I mean by that is a lot of times our catnip is influenced by our lineage, you know, what other people in our lineage found attractive or patterns that they settled for that were kind of 
unknowingly drawn to because we're trying to heal that pattern for the family line. It can also be a part of our culture, like a reflection of our culture. I grew up in the Midwest where, you know, you find someone nice and you settle down early. And I was terrified of hurting my ex-husband's feelings. I mean, I knew on our very first date, I was like, this guy is so boring. But I also heard my mom's voice in my head being like, well, but he seems nice. And so you should just go for it. Like, you know, a good man is hard to find. Like she never said that exact phrase, but that's what I heard in my voice. And in my mind, that voice. So even though my instinct from the very beginning was feeling bored and restless and just not a lot of energy with this person, I overrode that instinct because of my cultural Midwestern conditioning that you just, you know, relationship takes compromise. And even if they're not perfect, the most important thing is just getting married early, settling down, having kids when you're young, like um, be grateful for what you have. At least you have an opportunity like that sort of mindset completely shaped my dating life throughout my twenties and cost me a lot of time and money with the divorce. And then all the healing work afterwards related to that cultural mindset, of course, and, and other things. But my point is be really gentle with yourself because your catnip is not just something that you've been choosing to reenact. Your catnip is a deep need of your soul and your psyche for healing, healing for your lineage, healing for your culture, and then healing for yourself as well. But the way that we heal our catnip is not to keep dating someone with our catnip, actually. You know, the the way we heal it is to break the pattern by being with someone who is not our catnip. So you're not going to heal this pattern by continuing to date people who have these characteristics of your catnip. I hate to break it to you, but that's, that's not how it works. But I will say you don't have to have like a 180. You know, let's say you're, let's say you're attracted to your catnip as someone who's really dangerous, who keeps you on your toes, who's like a little bit volatile and who is kind of boisterous and loud and adventurous and all of that. It doesn't mean that you have to marry someone who's safe and quiet and boring and, you know, has never traveled outside the United States and only eats bland foods. Like it does not have to be a 180, but it has to be balanced enough or in the middle enough that you're not just falling back into the old catnip pattern of attraction with that dangerous person, for example. You might be thinking, okay, I know my catnip. I know that, wow, this is so much bigger than me. This is ancestral and cultural and also probably based in your upbringing with your, definitely based in your upbringing with your actual parents, not just your ancestry and how that forms our attachment style and early experiences of love and validation or not. So we, we've got the context and now you might be thinking, okay, well, <laughs> then what do I do? Like, how do I quit repeating this pattern? And I'm going to give you a few tips. You might not, you might not like them, um, but they're tried and true from the hundreds of women that I've worked with and men that I've worked with too, dozens of men, and also from my own experience. And the first one is to go slow. It's impossible to tell if someone is catnip or a good fit for us. If we're going on like five dates a week or we're texting them throughout the day and I may have mentioned this on one of my earlier episodes too, so I won't go too deep into it, but proper pacing is the best thing you can give to yourself in an early relationship because you're either going to find out by giving yourself space and time in between messages and in between dates that there's not a lot there, like it's just about your emotional um, response and your nervous system and those kind of unhealthy butterflies, or you're going to find out like, yeah, this person, this person is worth slowing down for. 
this person is someone I can savor. Our dates don't leave me feeling hungover or overly vulnerable or super anxious. So I can take more time in between dates. It's not a big deal. I feel more safe. I feel more relaxed. I feel more trusting or the opposite of the spectrum. You know, I feel more safe and trusting and relaxed because I'm not trying to run away. Like I'm actually feeling available, more available to this person. So slowing down the pacing is going to give you so much insight. And the second thing that's really important, in addition to some healing work, is observing. Like, if we're not slowing down, we can't observe. We're not slowing down, we don't have any observing ego. Like, we're just rushing in based on impulse, that emotional connection or that um, primal sexual connection. And we start to miss the clues. (laughs) In my last episode, I talked about how we all tend to have a somatic expression of an emotion that's missing. So maybe you miss the cues of anger. You just aren't attuned to like the heat or the tightness or the um, narrowing of your eyes or the blustering, like the things that come up when we're feeling angry. Or maybe you're not attuned to sadness and like recognizing, oh, this person has a lot of pain. Instead of recognizing that, oh, my heart feels heavy after I spend time with them. You're like, oh my gosh, they just need me. You know, I'm going to help fix them or save them. And None of this is usually conscious. So I'm not saying that you think that to yourself that you're going to go fix or save someone. But if you're not attuned to sadness, if you don't know somatically how to notice the sadness, then you might be with people who are very sad that you feel like you can save them from their sadness or bring them your joy and make everything better. So we want to be able to observe the person and how they show up. We want to be able to observe our body sensations and all of the emotions that go with those and make sure there's none that we're missing. We want to be able to observe over time. That's why the pacing is important. How is this person showing up? You know, what is this an invitation for, for me to heal or learn? What do I need in order to go on another date with them or in order to stay in this relationship? Especially if you have more of a fast paced, anxious attachment style, instead of asking yourself like, okay, well, are there any red flags? You should be asking yourself, well, what do I need in order to stay? Oh, I need to know that this person is high integrity. Okay, how can I look for that on the next date? On the last episode, I talked about our vision and how important it is to know how we want to feel, be connected to our five senses. And on this episode, I'm talking a little bit more about that observing mind and making sure that we're giving yourself space to assess like, hmm, okay, it's two days after the date. Am I still feeling the way that I want to feel in relationship as I'm dating this person? Am I still feeling cherished and relaxed or whatever your intention is? And it gives you that observing ego or that observing kind of mind gives you a chance to put things in perspective. Because let's say, you know, you had a miscommunication or something came up. It doesn't mean that you can't date that person or that they're not the right person for you. But it does mean that maybe you need to ask some more clarifying questions the next time you see them. Or you need to see, okay, they were a little bit late last time. It bothered me. I told them that. They apologized. But now I need to observe is that a pattern that will change over time or are they just perpetually late? And how much does that bother me? Like, is that something that I can work with? It's one thing to have someone say, oh yeah, I can change this and this and this for you. But ideally we don't want to be with anyone who has to change. However, you know, if they are willing to change as you're getting to know, as you're getting to know them, you want to make sure it's sustainable. Now I'm not talking about like massive changes in personality. Like I don't think any of us should feel like we have to change, but Sometimes there's just patterns of relating that we've gotten used to that maybe aren't the best for our partner. So I'll give you an example. 
Um, I used to try to process a lot of things over text when I was dating Jason. I was like, okay, I feel angry about this thing. I'm going to let him know. Because that was something that was a growing edge for me. I used to not pay any attention to anger. I used to blow past those physical signs in my body. Then I would feel disrespected in dating and, and relationship. And then I'd have to assert myself later, like really loudly or really explosively. So as I was trying to change that pattern, I was like, okay, when I notice my anger, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to set my boundaries. I'm going to share my truth. But it had a little too much heat to it. It had a little too much of an edge to it because I was being super reactive instead of responsive. So Jason told me like at some point, a few months into dating, I really don't like to have emotional conversations over text. I really want all of those to be in person. And I was like, what? Like, I feel like that's cutting off some of my expression. You know, this is an important part of my personality that I've recently discovered is being able to just speak my truth and not feel like I have to walk on eggshells like I did, you know, around my dad or around previous partners. But then I realized, okay, he has a lot of truth to that. It is kind of dangerous to text about emotional things and get really worked up when there's no eye contact or soothing touch or an ability to repair with each other. So I wasn't changing for Jason in terms of changing an authentic part of me, but I was adapting my communication style to meet what worked best for his nervous system and what is probably better for my nervous system too. So when I talk about like, well, see if the person can change and if they're sticking to the change, it's not about you fixing them or healing them or changing them in their core essence. It's about you knowing the standards of behavior that work for you with communication, with planning dates, with, you know, your values, and then seeing if you express those and the person has a, has a slightly different view, but they're willing to grow and change and adjust to work with you in the things that are important to you. Yeah. Like, is that sustainable? Basically, is this person's character sustainable over time and meeting my needs in terms of how I want to feel in my relationship. So when we pace it slower, when we give ourselves an opportunity to observe, then we can have a greater chance of not falling for our catnip. But the third part, which is really important, is to make a commitment to yourself and say to yourself, when I start to realize it's my catnip, I have to set a boundary or I have to stop dating the person or I have to remember what I really need and want. And that this is an addiction, you know, catnip is in many ways, kind of an addiction. We're addicted to a certain pattern because of how it feels in our nervous system. Uh, I was addicted to a pat, two different patterns. I had two different catnips. One of them was the first one I mentioned about aloof kind of moody avoidant guys who wouldn't really give me any attention. And the way they did, I felt like, Oh, finally I feel worthy. <laughs> that pattern was that I would twist myself into a pretzel for them to notice me. When they did, I would finally feel like worthy and seen. Then I'd have to work my ass off continuing to perform in the weeks or months that we were dating. And then eventually they would break up with me because they weren't really capable of relationship anyway. They were avoidant and self-absorbed and all of those things. So it was a self-fulfilling prophecy of me performing in order to feel loved and then feeling abandoned. That was one of my catnips. And the other catnip, which is almost the polar opposite of it, was to date someone who just couldn't really match me, you know, someone who didn't have the same energy or passion or life force or intelligence or, you know, someone who is safe, but really couldn't meet my needs. And then I'd get bored and exhausted. I'd blow up and I'd push them away. So I was either falling for someone in the first example who was avoidant, aloof, and would leave me anyway. And I couldn't be my authentic self around, <laughs> or I was following someone who is safe, but boring that I would end up blowing up things anyway, because I knew that I was settling and it wasn't going to lead to long-term happiness. 
So both of those patterns were playing out in my dating life. And I had to be willing to stop dating someone when I noticed it was a pattern. And for me, what that looked like was realizing, oh, I feel so safe with this guy, but I also feel really bored. Remember what happened on the first date with your ex-husband and how that led to six years of a relationship that wasn't right for you. Okay. If I start to notice this on a phone call or a video date or on the first or second date, then I can move on instead of turning it into a six, you know, six year relationship. So it's about that commitment to yourself to stop when you notice it's your catnip to set boundaries. And lastly, to trust, to trust that what you want is possible to trust that if you break your pattern of catnip, you're not going to be alone forever. You're actually going to find your partner faster. Breaking our patterns is speeding up the process. But a lot of times we're scared to break the patterns because they're familiar and we don't see another way of doing things. And that's why we all need help, right? Like whether it comes through working with me or someone else or reading books or podcasts, like get support with this part of your life. I personally feel that relationship is the most important thing in our life. And of course I might be biased, but without relationship, without connection, without love, there are so many impacts on our health of loneliness and feeling disconnected and isolated. There are impacts on our bank account and our wealth and our ability to be in our power. Lots of people that I work with end up making more money, getting promotions, getting bonuses, like starting new businesses, because as they're connected more to their heart and their body and feeling integrated, head, heart, and body, they're able to generate so much more creativity and energy and um, vision for the things that they want in their life. They're they're showing up to their life in a more congruent and empowered way. And that, that affects how the world sees them and how they get compensated for that. So my point is that when you change your pattern of catnip to date someone who's a better fit for you, so many other things change along the way. And it does take work. It's not easy. It does take guidance and support from someone who can really help you. Um, but it will speed up everything and it will change everything for the better. Because once you do that work of calibrating and integrating your nervous system, expanding the range of emotions that you can discern, being with someone who actually supports you and loves you instead of abandons you or makes you feel stifled, then all of that energy that you were spending on dating or um, unrequited love or yeah, blowing up relationships can get redirected into other things. So may we all heal our catnip. <laughs> may we find other ways of having fun and excitement in our life, positive, constructive, regenerative ways. And if this is something that you struggle with, then just reach out to me. Email me at violet at violetling.com. I'd be happy to chat with you about your catnip. And in my course, Queens of Pleasure, I work specifically on changing patterns of attraction and also in my course, Radiant Love, which is a co-ed group program where we work with our different catnip pattern of attraction things. And then we find that healthy version of that so that we can look for something that's more sustainable. And as we all know, like once you know what to look for, then you start seeing more of that. And then there's an abundance and then you feel more positive and uplifted. And as you do that, you know, you feel like more capable and confident of getting the love that you want and having those great dating experiences. So reach out to me at violet at violetling.com if you're interested in radiant love or in my Queens of Pleasure course. And either way, spend this next week observing observing with your partner or observing with your dates or just observing in yourself, like, who am I drawn to? Is that my catnip? And how can I give myself more space and time to observe while staying deeply committed to myself and trusting my vision? Enjoy. And I will see you on the next episode. 
Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love. Because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. If you want more love, pleasure, and power in your life, go to violetlang.com forward slash talk 